Hey, Risto here with George Mason University. I'm here with Lars Björke, uh, who teaches at the Inland Norway University of Applied Sciences in Elverum, Norway. Uh, we're discussing his article titled, While We May Lead a Horse to Water, We Cannot Make Him Drink. Three Physical Education Teachers, Professional Growth Through and Beyond a Prolonged Participatory Action Research Project. Uh, this was just published in Sport Education Society in 2020. Um, you can find the full citation in the in the article notes. And so, Lars, welcome to the podcast. Thanks for coming on. Thank you so much, uh, Risto. I've listened to this uh, podcast quite a lot, and I really feel privileged to to come on. And I, I, before we get going, I just wanted to to thank you for it for doing this podcast. I I use it in teaching as well as for my research activities. And I, and I guess I'm not the only one. So thanks for the time and effort you put into this, to making this a, a great thing for our field. Yeah, absolutely. And I and I love doing it because it makes me read a little bit outside of my my area, and I learn a lot through it. So selfishly, it's uh, it's good for me as well. Um, but can you um, can you begin by just giving a little bit of a background on? Uh, continuum of professional development, and you used a participatory action research uh, project model. So can you yeah. talk a little bit about the background from there? Yeah, uh, and I also have to acknowledge my, my co-authors on uh, on this paper, Kjersti Mordamon and Eivind Standal. So I guess I represent the, the three of us. Mm-hmm. Um, so um, continuing professional development, I think, can be seen as a umbrella term that include a lot of different approaches that um, aim at developing teachers' competences throughout their careers. And some of these activities are more formal learning activities, such as uh, courses or modules, giving teachers university credits. But it could also be more informal learning experiences that typically take place locally at the school that do not give any formal degree or uh, or recognition. And I guess there's different ways of how this is conceptualized around the world. Uh, but participatory action research, uh, the way I'm referring it, uh, I'm referring to it in this paper within uh, a Norwegian context is uh, positioned within the, the category of informal learning experiences. Mm-hmm. And it could be initiated from teachers as well as from researchers and is basically a way of making teachers and researchers work closely together to develop practice and research the, the process of change. Yeah, and, and it's interesting because you, you talked about this earlier in, and I didn't know this, you, you cited Levin uh, and he talked about um, making action research as a social movement, but then it kind of changed throughout and it became uh, like participatory action research pushed out of this. And I think it's a really interesting way for, for you, especially in, in looking at continuing professional development to do this participatory action research. And, and we'll get to the methods later, but I'm impressed that you did a two-year study working with these with these researchers. So I'm going a little bit off script here, but what what kind of led you to going with these uh, you know going with these teachers for two years? Like, what was the what was the motivation for that? 
so I had the the opportunity uh, since this was a part of my my PhD. Mm-hmm. So I had I had a lot of time to, to use. So uh, and I, of course I came I have a background as a primary school PE teacher. So I have kind of the the background uh, that wanted me to to work closely with teachers. And as you said, um, action research has gone through several. Um, birth and rebirth mm-hmm. since uh, Lewin first uh, conceptualized it. But I, I was really intrigued by this, by seeing it as a social action that was muti- uh, mutual beneficial. So the teachers could be involved in a systematic collective inquiry process into their own practice and, and investigate how changing their normal way of doing it and things might work yeah. in quotation marks. Mm-hmm. Uh, and at the same time, I could research this process. Yeah. So, and and yeah. in the process, you you talked about John Dewey's uh, this idea of education as growth, and that happens through continuous reconstruction of experiences. Can you can you explain how you use Dewey and what that means? Yeah, I, I will try. I have to say, I'm far from an expert on Dewey's work, but I <laughs> will try to share um, my understanding of of it and how this might help us think about CPD. Mm-hmm. Um, so, so Dewey was critical towards how education could be seen as something that has an end. So instead of viewing, for example, teacher education as a final destination that students reach when they get their final diploma, he would perhaps see the process of becoming a teacher as a lifelong process without an end. And I, and I think this word <laughs> becoming is key, which means that instead of being a teacher, like a, a fixed destination, you are always in the process of becoming a teacher, if, mm-hmm. that, makes, if that makes sense. It makes a lot of sense, yeah. Yeah, and, and I think that continuing professional development could, in that respect, be seen as a contribution to, uh, for facilitating this process of becoming uh, especially after the formal education is completed. But um, the question then is what really effective CPD could be about. And my paper is really inspired by by the work of uh, Armour, Kvennerstedt, Chambers and Macapolo, who, who raises that question through a Dewey perspective. So um, I, on the one hand, CPD could be about um, certain activities that develop particular skills, mm-hmm. such as the, the deliver a pedagogical model, such as uh, cooperative learning in my project. But it could also be a, something that is meant to support teachers' development and growth, not only here and now, but for the rest of their careers. So instead of learning just particular skills, it could be more about giving teachers' tools and the experiences they need to, to continue to develop. Yeah, and, and I found it interesting that, you know, you, you talk about this lifelong process and Dewey talks about becoming a lifelong learner. And in theory, we all say that. We all say like, oh, I'm a <laughs> lifelong learner. But how many teachers are actually that? And I'm guessing if you're listening to a podcast about research and physical education, you are part of the group that is a lifelong learner and continues to learn. But 
Um, and I know we'll get into this in, in your results of how that isn't kind of default. A lot of people arrive mm. at their teaching license and they be think they become a teacher. And a mm. lot of times they may stop learning in there. Have you found that to be true? Yeah, uh, I, I think so. And I also think there's a difference between uh, wanting to be a continuous the learner and especially when you work in primary schools, how you're allowed to be it. And that's mm. a different question because the school day is really busy. As I said, I have experienced myself from primary school and to kind of find the, the space for developing uh, your practice is not that simple. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, let me talk about your, your three teachers. Uh, can you talk about who those th uh, three teachers were in the project, why you chose them to work on it, and where did cooperative learning come in? Was that something that you suggested? Was that something that they suggested to, to do uh, in the project? Yeah, uh, and that's a really important point in participatory action research. Um, so, as I said, this is a part of my PhD, and and my PhD developed from, an, uh, as I said, an ambition to work with PE teachers and see how changing their pedagogical practice might work. So I, I tried to get in touch with PE departments that might be interested in participating in such a project, basically wanting to change something in, in some way. And eventually that led me to, to one school, forest school, as I call it in the, in the paper. And the PE department for fifth to seventh grade uh, at Forest School was three male teachers. So one of them was experienced with yeah, over 25 years of teaching experience, and the two other were, were recently qualified. Uh, so uh, so we asked about how cooperative learning, am I right? Yeah, so Got into the did picture. that come from you or did that come from, from the teachers saying we want to do cooperative learning? Yeah, it's, it's a mixture, I guess. So I, I begin this project with interviewing all of them individually to mm -hmm. and ask basically, what would you like to change? And they say said that they would like to explore a more student-centered approach to teaching PE, as they felt they were mainly using uh, instruction for all purposes. And at that time, I... Um, I had been at the exchange period at, at Loughborough University and I had been working with Ash Casey and I had did, did some reading on cooperative learning. So I wasn't an expert, but I, I knew a little about it. So I suggested to the teachers that um, cooperative learning could be one way of exploring a more student-centered approach and mm -hmm. they agreed. Yeah. Uh, it's interesting. I, I was going to ask you, where did the Dewey cooperative learning and CPD kind of merge, where did that come from? And then hearing Ash Casey, I, I feel like that is a great example of why international study exchange, PhD exchange, going to study at a different university is so important because you just learn different ways of thinking about things. So because you read that, you were exposed to that, coming back, that was a tool in your toolkit to be able to help these teachers, which is a pretty cool, mm. pretty cool concept. Yeah, definitely. 
so can you tell us a little bit uh, about the experiences you had conducting this research? We talked earlier, you know, it's two years that you spent in and out of these schools. You did it very systematically, but can you talk about the overall process that, that you uh, that you put out? Yeah, I will try to make this as clear as I, as I can because it was a rather complex um, project. But so um, we used different structures over the, uh, uh, over the two years. So, for example, we arranged workshops with all of us present and we discussed how cooperative learning could facilitate learning that was relevant uh, according to the Norwegian curriculum. We discussed cooperative learning on a theoretical level, and we planned actual lessons according to the to the model. And after uh, planning for a unit, which was six lessons, the teachers taught the lessons that had been collectively planned for, although with some adjustments to fit their class. Um, I was attending each of these uh, classes as an observer, and that allowed me or us to right after all of these lessons uh, discuss the lesson and identify what worked what we needed to change and make some minor adjustments to the to the next lesson but then after all of these or the 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 full unit was completed we met again to kind of reflect on the on the on the period on as a whole in a new workshop so Again, the things that worked well, uh, what did not go as planned, and we tried to continuously learn from our experiences. And and of course, the teachers uh, had different experiences uh, from the lesson, and that helped us to get a a kind of a deeper understanding of how cooperative learning uh, might work with different students. Mm -hmm. it was uh, really the, the cyclical process that is a key component to all action research of thinking, planning, acting, reflecting and evaluating, which was um, repeated uh, many times over the two academic years. So it was four of these intervention periods with workshops prior to and after. Yeah, and, and you had a ton of data you talk about you know, 25 hours of recordings in in these workshops and interviews and everything. But um, when we talk about what the teachers' experiences were in other, before you kind of came in and taught this type of uh, professional learning community, can you talk about what their experiences were in um, continuing professional development? Did they... Did they like it? Did they have bad experiences, good experiences? How did they value that? Yeah, and, and that was a, a really big challenge, especially in the beginning of the project. So they had previously experienced uh, continuing professional development as something that was basically irrelevant for their professional development. Mm-hmm. So they had attended this act. Um, initiatives that had been typically this one-time happenings given to a large audience with a strong emphasis on theoretical knowledge, which, as they said, were impossible to transfer. Uh, So the only thing they got out of it was perhaps a free lunch, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Um, And of course, this is different. As I said, one of the teachers were 
really experienced while the two others were were not but it was kind of the the rumor that cpd had on the on the school i guess um so but of course uh, yeah. yeah go ahead so but as a second challenge was related to uh, their expectations of being learners and that was perhaps a even bigger challenge because they were expecting to be passive receivers of of knowledge and mm-hmm. and had an expectations for that to happen and we discussed in a paper that perhaps this was in fact something they they wanted from from the from the project because they could perhaps get fixed lessons that were ready to be implemented from an external researcher in this case me um, that kind of uh, kind of could be a solution to the challenge they have previously had with not being able to transfer it yeah and and i in reading this i i noted this idea that they wanted you to give them all the answers at first and so that's definitely mm-hmm. a a challenge if you're trying to uh, do a continuous professional development that's ground up, not top down. That they they were talking about how their previous professional development, which I think some some teachers can relate to, is top down. Here's the information, but there's no continuation. So yeah. how did you manage these challenges, and what was kind of different with your approach, and and did those teachers really kind of buy in? Uh, yeah, so of course, uh, this was a really a major challenge for, for me using a participatory action research approach. Uh, and I wanted the teachers to be really active and, and help have a key role in the entire process. But uh, so about, I think it was about six months into the project, I was really frustrated and I began to think about this problem and how it could be addressed. And what I came to realize from uh, listening to the recorded workshops and looking into my reflective diary, um, I came to realize that I needed to to give them more space. I could not only wish that they that they took space, mm-hmm. but I I was perhaps too dominating. So hmm. I had to rethink my own role, especially in terms of how the workshops were organized. So. I tried explicitly to give more responsibility to the teachers. I even tried to to meet less prepared, um, and 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 this turned out to to work uh, well. And that that uh, as I as we write in the paper, this kind of marked the the beginning of the project. Let's say success. So so basically, you going through a reflective practice pushing them to take more on, they they did bite on that. They were successful in starting to implement this. So let me, uh, let me ask you, when we look at Dewey's view of education, what were some of the new challenges? Now that the teachers are perceiving cooperative learning as, hey, this is something that is going to work, what were the challenges that kind of, you know, in the next cycle, what would happen? Yeah. So so then after they they took or perhaps was given more ownership, uh, the lessons began to be better both for students and for the teachers. Um, and I have to say that the success also it it required a, a lot of hard work. So this success came 
at a cost in terms of the time they had spent, uh, their frustration and uncertainty um, previously in the project. And the, the challenge in a Dewian perspective is that this success uh, kind of reduced the teacher's wish for continuing to grow and developing new ways of teaching through cooperative learning. So they, they felt that they had reached their, their ambition of learning about how to teach through a, a student-centered approach and could reuse or blueprint these lessons in the, in the future. So it, was not, it wasn't any need to continue to explore different ways of, of doing cooperative learning um, after that. And yeah, sorry. Yeah, no, I, I thought that that was, that was really interesting. I noted that in this idea of they felt like they made a blueprint, they could go back to this like well of knowledge forever without any change. And that's not part of this Dewey's view of being a lifelong learner, constantly becoming. So how did you, were you able to fix that mindset or did that ever get resolved? Yeah, so um, over the, so this was in the, at the end of the first year of the project. Mm -hmm. And as we write in, during the second year of the project, the teachers uh, experienced how cooperative learning could work according to different uh, uh, tasks, different students and circumstances. So then they suddenly begin to realize that they, they had not find the way to teach through cooperative learning or the one way, but through different experiences out of how the model worked, they um, begin to develop a curiosity and interesting uh, an interest for continuing to develop new ways mm -hmm. of teaching. Yeah. I, and, but I, I also have to add that the teachers, the three teachers, their development kind of follow different paths. So it was, it was not uh, equally uh, fruitful for, for all of them. Yeah. And, and you had an interesting development that I think you spun very well. You had three teachers to start. One teacher didn't complete the second year at that school. So you actually had this kind of interesting case study in a case study, which you had three teachers go through year one and one of the teachers did not, but you were still able to uh, interview that person after year two. So can you talk about kind of the follow-up interviews one year after the program was over? And like, what were, what was meaningful? Did, did the two people that did the full program, was it, was it different for them? Or how, how do those kind of individuals work through this continuing professional development? Yeah. And, and that's really interesting. So the, the teacher who had to leave after the first year, he, he kind of stayed in touch with one of the teachers and, and kind of uh, participated in the project without being a formal participant. Mm -hmm. So when I interviewed him uh, one year after the second year, he, he suggested that he had used this um, approach, not only in physical education, but in other subjects as well. While one of the teachers that completed the full project um, said that he had changed his um, perceptions, but that he mainly had went back to being the teacher he was prior to the project. Mm -hmm. And the 
And the third teacher, uh, the most experienced teacher, said that he had really changed as a teacher. He said something like that 30% of his teaching was now through cooperative learning, that he had developed a lot of new ways of using the model and, and kind of said that this project had, had totally renewed him. And that is really interesting for me. So I'm going to ask you to speculate here a little bit, but do you think the uh, experience of the teachers had something to do with this? I don't think you cover this in detail, but you had the old veteran who was there 25 years of teaching experience versus two new, newly qualified teachers. So do you think that there was a difference between one of them really changing? Because I, I would think that it would be opposite, that the veteran who's stuck in their ways, who's always done it one way, you bring something new to them, uh, yeah, they'll listen to you, they'll like, they'll go through it, but the likelihood of them, if you think about teacher socialization, the likelihood of them really changing is not not very high. Yeah, uh, I had uh, exactly the same expectations before the project. Mm -hmm. And of course, as you said, this is just my speculations because I didn't go into this in depth. But what I found really surprising was that I did not experience a lot of resistance from uh, none of the teachers and especially not from the experienced. It was more like, oh, finally, we get someone who could help me and our practices and and we're doing a project that actually has impact on our practice so it was more like oh your your new youth ways of thinking are really welcome mm -hmm. and i would like to to explore this and but i, I think a, a big difference was that this experienced teacher he was um he was um, just teaching this sixth grade class while the two other teachers had just physical education with the, their classes. So the experienced teacher did not only use cooperative learning in PE, but it became more of a philosophy of learning on a more general level. Hmm. And I th I, so I, I think that's also a, a um, yeah, so, factor. So uh, did you, do you mean that the, the veteran teacher is always also teaching inside the classroom? Or, yeah, he's or, teaching like maths and Norwegian oh, and okay. English. Okay, so that's yeah, all kinds of subjects. Hmm, that is very interesting. Um, so let in wrapping this up, you let's talk about the title of your paper and how does this relate to Dewey? You, the title of the paper had this quote of that we many of us have heard is while we may lead a horse to water, we cannot make him drink. So what is what does that mean? Yeah, so the, so the idea of using this phrase came at the at the very end of writing this paper, as we were thinking something like, okay, given these findings, where does that leave us in terms of continuing professional development? And for me, it's a way of saying that you cannot, in advance, plan for what teachers actually will learn, if anything, prior to a professional development initiative. So as I, as I talked about, the three teachers' development took different directions. So I think that although 
CPD in initiatives could introduce teachers to new ways of thinking about or teaching physical, physical education, metaphorically leading them to the water. I don't think any CPD design can ever guarantee or ensure that the teachers actually change their practice. So metaphorically drink from this water and keep drinking from the water after you leave them there. Mm -hmm. If that makes sense. Yeah. No, and I and I think you bring up really interesting points of this you know this wasn't a top down re, like professional development. Even though you came in to facilitate it and maybe that's how the teachers perceived you first. It's like, okay, we're ready for the top down approach. Give us the lesson plans and we'll we'll make it happen. You you kind of push them, you force it to be a ground up, like a working on their specific um, research. And I think it's 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 interesting. We we tend to not do a ton of research that is, hey, what do you need for me to do? We as researchers mm. always have this type of angle or this question that's burning, and definitely there are researchers that do go into communities and just say, what do you want? Like, what can, what can I do? But I think a lot of us, even though we may say we do that, we still have an angle. We still have something that we're trying to get out of it. And I think this is a great example of your paper of going into a community saying, how can I help? I want I, I think you have a development. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're perfectly right. And I, I actually asked, uh, I think it was the experienced teachers uh, in the follow-up interview that, and I asked him, did you at some point feel that this wasn't top-down approach? Because I was, I was worried that my suggestion to, to use cooperative learning could feel as it was top-down. Mm -hmm. But he said, no, not at all. Um, and, I, and I think at that point we had a relationship that, uh, meant that he could be honest with me. So uh, I do believe him. And I, I really felt that was a acknowledgement that, okay, it was actually based on their wishes and needs. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that this model or this style, uh, once taught can be taught and implemented without necessarily a researcher going into the school. And I think that's where we're trying to get to is you do the research, this is how it works, publish the paper, talk about the system, and there's nothing holding, holding back, uh, you know, three teachers from any school in the world getting together and doing this type of um, professional development amongst each other. So hopefully mm. this is a, a blueprint, even though we don't want to have blueprints, but hopefully this is a <laughs> blueprint for people to go in and, and, and get, get active in their own professional development. Yeah, definitely. So thank you so much for uh, joining me. Um, I really enjoyed the read. Um, for those of you who want to read the full article, you can check out the full citation in the comments section. And uh, thanks to Alba Rodriguez for her help in producing the podcast. Uh, thanks, Lars. Really appreciate you coming on. Thank you so much. It's been a pleasure. Awesome. Thanks. Bye. If you're still listening, you're probably really into health and physical education. So I'm going to use this opportunity to pitch our master's program to you if you don't have your master's degree yet. Um, 
Our 100% online master's degree program we offer at George Mason is affordable. You can do it while teaching, and it's high quality. Um, Mason was listed as one of the top 50 universities under 50 years old in the world. Our education department was ranked in the top 10 nationally for the online master's degree program in curriculum and instruction. The master's degree uh, revolves around your teaching. So you'll use assignments from the classes to immediately apply research and best practices to your classes. You'll be part of a tight-knit cohort of health and physical education professionals who are passionate about teaching. You're also going to get an opportunity to interact with students in other content areas. So if you're interested, you can email me, look me up on Twitter, or you can go on the hpewebsite.com under study with us and watch a video that I've made.